Usually when you give a sermon, you give the applications at the end. I want to give you the application right at the very beginning. And the reason why I want to do that is so that you will think about this truth that I believe is going to be one of the major applications of dealing with the 144,000 Jewish evangelists during the tribulation period. And I want to ask you to ask this question to yourself. When considering the 144,000 Jewish evangelists during the tribulation period, what does this truth teach us about God? What does the truth of 144,000 Jewish evangelists teach us about God? Well, the fact that that there's going to be going... Uh, so much evangelism going on during the tribulation period, it points to the fact that God has always provided a witness no matter what time period we are in history. And even during the worst days on the planet, God is going to have witnesses. And what does that do? I believe that that speaks of his great grace, his great mercy, and his great love that God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit has for lost individuals. I believe that this display of this truth in that particular time is amazing. Uh, I was recently in um, Utah, uh, right there in the hotbed of cultville, uh, Mormonism, and uh, the person who picked me up, a pastor, saved out of Mormonism, took me for just a little tour of Salt Lake City. We can only tolerate it literally for so much. I mean, it's oppressive. It's oppressive. But one of the wonderful things that I discovered, even in an area like that where uh, Satan has such a stronghold, there are churches that are teaching the truth. There are witnesses in some of the most depraved cities in our country. You think of other places. You think of Las Vegas. There are good churches there in Las Vegas as well. Uh, We were visiting some friends, and they go to a fine church. And one of the young men from that church was leaving that church to go plant a church in Las Vegas. That's a wonderful thing. So there could be a witness there in a city like that. We have two children out on the extreme west coast. There's some great churches out there. With all of their issues, with all of their problems, God has a witness wherever we go and in whatever time period we have. And that's my application of the 144,000. That's exciting to know that there's going to be these individuals, 144,000 Jewish men, as well as the two witnesses, and a bit of evangelism by an angel, Uh, during this time of the tribulation period. The main passage that we're going to be taking a look at, there's actually two. Uh, We're going to be taking a look at Revelation 7 and then a little bit in Revelation chapter 14. And what we're going to be discussing is we're going to try to answer the question, who who are these people? Who are these 144,000 Jewish people? And what will they be doing? What is their primary purpose? And what will the results be of their evangelism? And what will their unique character be like as they fulfill 
this responsibility. So I'm going to read a few of the passages in Romans chapter 7. Uh, It's really totally verses 1 through 8. I'm just going to read a portion of it where it starts out, And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And then he goes on and lists those 12 tribes where the 12,000 are going to come from. So who are the witnesses going to be? They're men. They're men who will be from the 12 tribes of Israel. And when you take that statement literally, we will conclude that the identity of the 144,000 is clearly given in the text. Just read it as it says, and you will come to the conclusion that they are Jewish men 12,000 from each of the tribes listed. That shouldn't be too difficult. But I I got news for you. It's real difficult for some people. In fact, some people have a whole lot of difficulty with any kind of number that's in Scripture. Not only do they have a problem with the 144,000, they got a problem with the number 1,000 as well that revolves around the millennial kingdom. Actually, one of the more prominent views held today by those in covenant theology in their camp, they don't believe that the 144,000 are Jewish men. They actually believe that they represent the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, honestly, you have to do some incredible spiritualizing to come to that conclusion. It's very clear. I think, I think John goes to a painstaking uh, a, a, a amount of clarity to try to help us to see what this is actually referring to. In order to believe that this is talking about the church, uh, they would believe that this would be, quote, the true spiritual Israel. Honestly, that's replacement theology. You have to take the church out of the picture. I'm sorry, you have to take Israel out of the picture, and they replace the church. So that is just simply not the case. Israel is replaced by the church. The church is the new spiritual Israel. And for some reason, they like that. They love that position. Honestly, I don't like it very much at all. You may think, well, of course not. You're from a Jewish background. That has nothing to do with it. And you may think, well, you don't like it because you minister to Jewish people. That has nothing to do with it. I don't like the idea that people think that Israel has been replaced by the church because I'm a member of the church, the body of Christ, because of salvation. And look at the church. If, if God replaced Israel because of their sin, why should we walk around with total confidence thinking that God hasn't or won't replace us with somebody else? I would rather see God remain faithful to a people group that don't deserve it. That's the whole point. I would rather see God remain faithful to a people group like Israel who don't deserve his faithfulness because that should give us hope. That should give the church 
hope. This is the predominant belief in many, many circles today. One problem that they don't take into consideration is that the word Israel is never used for the church in the New Testament one time. Not one time. That's, a, that, that, that's something that they really need to take into consideration. But if you hold to a pre-tribulational view of the rapture, the church will be in heaven experiencing the Bema seat of Christ in the marriage of the Lamb. You know, I've always believed you can't be in two places at one time. Now, uh, if, if, if the church is in heaven, while the tribulation period is going down on the earth, 144,000 can't be the church. Because we're up in heaven receiving our rewards at the Bema seat of Christ, and then eventually the marriage of the Lamb. So to make the 144,000 witnesses the church and not literal Jewish men, as the text of Revelation clearly teaches, one has to do an enormous amount of spiritualizing of the text. Point number two, what will they be doing during the tribulation period? What are these individuals going to be doing? Well, they will, they, they will evangelize the people. They will function as missionaries that will be spreading the gospel throughout the earth. Two witnesses will also be ministering, as we heard last night from Jerry, during the tribulation period. And that's another subject that Jerry covered very, very well last night. So we're not going to deal with the two witnesses. But what are, what are these 144,000 Jewish people going to do? Uh, some people have said they're going to be like 144,000 Apostle Pauls. God is just going to save them in a very unique way. He's going to seal them. He's going to protect them. And, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing that God has scattered the Jewish people all around the globe. You know why? Because when God saves these 144,000 Jewish people from all around the globe, they don't have to go to language school. They don't have to learn the culture of the people. They don't, you know, so we have friends that are in a foreign country, way, way, way far away, and they're, they're spending years trying to learn the language. And then if you add on to that deputation, that's another three to five years, they're ready to go. When God saved these, saves these 144,000 Jewish people, they are ready to go. No preparation. They're not going to language school. They're going right into the mission field. And that's the way the Lord is going to have that. They're going to be preaching the gospel. It's going to be their main message. Now, they will preach the gospel of grace, but they will also be talking about the gospel of the kingdom. They will do kind of like what Jesus and John the Baptist did early on when they preached the gospel of the kingdom, because when Jesus was on the earth, the kingdom was near if the Jewish people would have received him. But we knew that wasn't God's ultimate plan, so the gospel could be opened up to the Gentiles, according to Romans 11.11. But during the tribulation period, it says that they are going to teach and preach the gospel of the kingdom, that's not different necessarily from the gospel of grace because there's only one gospel that saves. But when they are preaching in the tribulation period, you know what that means? The kingdom is near at hand. Because when is the kingdom going to be established? 
It's going to be established after the tribulation period is over with some time in between, and then the kingdom will be established. So they're going to preach the gospel. And that's a good, that's a good thing to preach. You know why? Because according to Romans chapter 116, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. To the Jewish people first and also to the Gentiles. Who's that leave out? Nobody. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. God uses the gospel to save people. It is the power of God for salvation. If there's one thing that we better not tamper with, it's the gospel. If there's one thing that we better not water down, it's the gospel. And you know as well as I do that multitudes of churches, multitudes of ministries are watering down the gospel to try to remove the offensive part of it. Sometimes when I travel, some people will ask me a question and they'll say, you know, I I have a Jewish acquaintance. Can you give me some pointers on how I can share the gospel without offending them? And I say, well, I've been doing it for over 40 years to Jewish people, and I haven't come up with a way yet. And I don't think I'm going to come up with a way. In fact, you know what? I don't want to come up with a way because there's a built-in offense to the gospel message. Now, I don't want to be offensive. When I, early on, I was, when I was a new believer, I was very, very offensive. And the Lord had to teach me, just trust in the power of the gospel. You know, I don't need to beat somebody's head against the wall. All I do is just plant the seed and water the seed. That's as much as I could do. I can't do any more than that. That's all I could do. Plant the seed, water the seed, God brings forth the increase. But I don't want to mess with the gospel. I don't want to tone it down. I want to preach the full truth of what the gospel states. Now, in order to do that, you need to know the gospel, don't you? You need to know the gospel. You need to take time to learn what the gospel is. Learn it frontwards, backwards, every which way you possibly can. So whenever God opens up a door, you are ready to try to share what you can in that amount of time. It says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. There you see that gospel of the kingdom, and that will be uh, the aspect of it that will be preached a lot during the tribulation period. Uh, Today there's a lot of watering down of the gospel. We see it, you can see it on TV ministries and all kinds of other places. Well, that's not going to take place. I think of what Paul told Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This was the last epistle that Paul wrote. I mean, this, and, and Timothy was his protege. He had nobody like Timothy. We read about that in Philippians. And what did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5? I'm just going to read a portion of those verses where Paul said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I think we've arrived. I think we've arrived. 
But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Just as a side note, when we talk about the 144,000 preaching the gospel worldwide, you know what? I believe that this is going to fulfill one of the reasons why God originally chose the Jewish people. It's clear in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7 that God chose the Jewish people, clear as day. Do you know that even some unsaved Jewish people know that the Jewish people are the chosen people? Just ask him one question. What did he choose you for? And then you've stumped them. They may know that they've been chosen, but they don't know what they've been chosen for. Well, I have seen in Scripture, there are several reasons for it, but three seem to come to the surface. One of the main reasons why God chose the Jewish people was to give the world the Bible. You have a Bible. That's been fulfilled. What advantage has the Jewish people? Much in every way. Chiefly unto them were committed the oracles of God. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So God has given the, 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 the world the Bible through the Jewish people. Secondly, from a physical standpoint, the Messiah came through the Jewish people. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah. He was from a Jewish background. That's been fulfilled also. We read about that in Romans chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, that the Messiah has come physically through the Jewish people. That's been fulfilled. Another reason why he called and chose the Jewish people was to be a light to the Gentiles. That hasn't happened. When God scattered the Jewish people from the four corners to the four corners of the earth, the best thing the Jewish people could have done was to bear light of the truth of who God was. But what happened instead? The Jewish people picked up the idolatrous ways of the heathens. And they were influenced negatively rather than taking what the prophets had revealed to the Jewish people about who the true God was, they were supposed to take that information and spread it out. Well, that hasn't been done. I believe that's going to begin to happen, as it should have been, by the ministry of the 144,000 and the two witnesses during the tribulation period. But then I believe that it will come into full blossom during the millennial kingdom. The Jewish people are going to be a tremendous witness during the millennial kingdom. How do we know that? There's a wonderful passage in Zechariah chapter 8. It's a millennial passage. Zechariah 8 and verse 23 says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, that's, that's millennial talk, In those days, ten men from all the nations... Now, when you see nations with an S, it's talking about Gentile nations. When you see nation with no S, it's usually talking about the nation of Israel. So here, in those days, ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew. Now, that would be a dangerous thing if that happened today. (laughs) 
that would be a dangerous thing if that happened today. Not so in the millennium. Look what they're going to say. Look what these ten Gentiles are going to say to this one Jewish person. Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. We want to learn about God. We want to learn about the truth of who he is. We want to go with you, for we have heard that he is with you. That is going to be so prevalent during the millennial kingdom I believe that will be the fulfillment of this third major reason why God chose the Jewish people. We have the Bible. We have the Messiah. But they've never been the witnesses that they should have been to the Gentile world. What is the result of their ministry going to be? We read about this absolute incredible result of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists also in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they and where have they come from? I am so glad when in the inspired word of God, a question is asked and then it's answered. This is one of those kinds of things, if if this question wasn't asked and answered, you could read 25 commentaries on Revelation and get 26 different views about any subject, and this would be one of them. Here a question is asked, who are these people? Where have they come from? Verse 14, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. So we know when they were saved. They they were in the tribulation period because they weren't saved before the rapture. They were in the tribulation period, and it's then when they got saved. And they have washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They, and, and then look, they will hunger no longer. They will not thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a response to the ministry. What an ingathering of multitudes of people from every tribe, every kindred, every language, every tongue. Multitude. And these are the ones who died. These people were saved during the tribulation, but now they're in heaven. How'd they get there? They died. Most of them were probably martyred. Some of them may have died from natural causes. But that also leaves the people who are saved who make it all the way through the tribulation. So you got two different groups of people who are saved during the tribulation. You got a whole multitude of people who are here in Revelation chapter 7 in heaven. So they died before the Lord Jesus returned to establish the kingdom. And then you got a, you're going to have a whole lot of people from a Jewish background and a Gentile background who are going to be alive 
throughout the entire seven years, they'll be alive. They'll enter the millennial kingdom with their human bodies. So we have a whole lot of people getting saved. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people talk about revival. We pray for revival. We hope for revival. This is a revival. This is a real, genuine revival. There's a great multitude, so great that no one can count them. There are going to be people from every nation, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues. No one's going to be left out. <clears throat> people are going to be reached that... I remember being in a missions conference with a missionary that was ministering to a people group that were just discovered in the late 1960s. Nobody even knew this people group existed. And they went there as missionaries. There are probably still people groups that we don't even know exist. They're going to reach them. There's going to be a lot of wonderful things going on. A lot of wonderful things. We see that these people, according to verse 9, they're in heaven... But the tribulation period's not over. So they died somehow, maybe mostly through martyrdom, during the tribulation period. No more suffering. Did you notice verse 16? They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will not beat down on them anymore. They'll be free from the heat. Their tears will be wiped away. That's what it's going to be like to be a believer in the tribulation period. That's how tough it's going to be. Many of them are going to survive, and that's going to be only by the grace of God. And we see that the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, will be their spiritual shepherd, and he will guide them. And then in Revelation chapter 14, the first five verses, we see that these are going to be men of splendid character. These, these people are, are, are just wonderful how they're described. I looked and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb, and no lie was found in their mouth, they're blameless. Kind of sounds like some of the qualifications for elders, doesn't it? And deacons. We clearly see that these are going to be very, very special people. They've been purchased. That's a soteriological term, isn't it? That, that's, a, that's a word that revolves around the teaching of salvation. They were redeemed. We've been purchased. If you're a believer, you've been purchased. These individuals will be saved in a very wonderful and unique way. Another major characteristic is that they will be obedient to the Lord Jesus. They will follow him. They will follow the lamb. True believers are saved today to obey. You read uh, in, in the letter that Peter wrote. That's one of the callings that we have. They will follow the Lamb. We should follow the Lamb. But also you're going to note that they will be very sacrificial. It appears, it appears that they will give up the privilege of marriage for the sake of a unique ministry that the Lord has called them to. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Some people have that unique calling. We also see that they will be truthful and blameless. 
Their character will be above reproach. So we see that these unique individuals are going to do a bang-up job. They're going to do, in a short period of time, what the church hasn't done in 2,000 years. And that's to reach the globe. I remember when we were like around 1997, uh, 1998, getting close to 2000. Remember when 2000 was going to hit? And all of these ministries said, we're making a concerted effort to reach the world by the year 2000. It's not going to happen. This isn't isn't going to happen until the tribulation period. Now let me just give you one other application. Do Do you remember the first application? How does all of this reflect upon God? How does all of this reflect upon God? He always has a witness. No matter how bad the circumstances are, and it seems in the case of the tribulation, the worse it is, the more effective the witness is going to be. What a contrast those people are going to have between sin and righteousness. But let me just challenge you with one other thing. Don't be tricked into thinking that, you know what? I don't really think I need to evangelize that much now because look at all the evangelism that's going to be done in the tribulation period. I'll just wait till then when it gets done. I won't be there, but I'll let the other people, I'll let the 144,000 do it. No. We want to see people getting saved before the rapture, don't we? We don't necessarily want people to enter into the tribulation period just because we don't want to evangelize. We want to do all we can now. We want to be out there with the gospel truth and looking to God to save people just like he's going to in the tribulation period. Well, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the great truth that you desire to have a witness of the truth no matter what the circumstances are. And we thank you that during the tribulation period, you're going to have a wonderful, wonderful witness through these evangelists and the two witnesses primarily. Help us to do what we can. We're not in the tribulation period right now for which we thank you, and we won't be, ever. But there's still a great need for people to hear the gospel. And there's a great need maybe for somebody right now sitting here or listening to what they heard today to hear the gospel and to believe it and to receive it and to repent of their sins and trust the Lord Jesus, the only means that you have provided to save a soul. We pray that the Holy Spirit would work in the hearts and lives of those who might still be lost under your wrath currently, which would be removed if they were to get saved. So we would pray that you would work in the hearts and lives of the people here and who are listening who need that. For those of us who know you, may we rejoice that you saved us when you did. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be like these 144,000 who want to follow the Lamb. May we want to follow our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.